everyone, and welcome to another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm Andy. And we're back. Uh, still, I'm still feeling good, Andy. Uh, looks like Joe Biden is still, believe it or not, going to be the next president of the United States. Uh, Stay tuned. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many times you can, you know, lose in court before you just throw in the towel. But, I mean, we'll do this all day. As, as Captain America would say, we'll do this all day. This is the United States of America, so as long as you got a dollar in your pocket, you can keep going to court and fighting whatever you want. So we are, you know, at the very tail end of 2020. Thank goodness. Really don't know if I could do another year of this. Um, and we're going to go back to a topic that we started, that we opened this uh, podcast series with. And Andy, uh, tentative episode title, uh, Episode 10, COVID Strikes Back. Well, first of all, I'm going to be a little excited because I'm pretty sure that's a Star Wars reference, and I think I got it. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, that's a pretty easy one, but I'll still take every one of those I can get. Uh, Man, (laughs) COVID striking back in hard in the state of Ohio, across the country. I mean, really across the world. It is kind of doing exactly what people thought it would do as it gets colder. It is rearing its ugly head. Yeah, so again, it's not just the United States. Um, you know, Europe, a lot of Europe is going through a second wave where, you know, they got it under control. Uh, you know, people just, human psychology, you just start to relax. You start easing back some of the restrictions that you you did to get COVID under control. Uh, they're going through another wave. They have not come anywhere close to the total raw numbers that uh, we have had in the United States. Um, and again, it's COVID unrestrained right now. Um, so Ohio had about 8,000 cases just today. The state is looking really rough right now. Uh, I got sent a, a chart earlier today by one of our buddies, uh, good friend Stan. Um, and in Lucas County, the zip code that I live in has had the most cases over the last 21 days. Uh, so Sylvania, fuck. let's go. Let's, let's get our shit together. Um, but man, COVID is still, you know, I was told by Donald Trump that after the election, COVID was just going to go away and that we would never hear about it ever again, but it's still permeating every aspect of our life. And we're going to touch on all, uh, all different ways that it's still showing up, uh, in this episode. Well, I think you missed the promise that Donald Trump made, if you voted for him, he would wave his magic wand and make you go away. Since you voted for Joe Biden, you're voting for 87 years of lockdowns. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, the sooner we start our 87 years, the sooner it will be over. Let's go. Um, Andy, so I caught some of this, uh, but I was kind of distracted. I was talking to my parents, uh, visiting with them. Uh, DeWine, Mike DeWine, governor of Ohio, addressed the state uh, last night on Thursday. Wednesday or Thursday of this week? Um, I think it was Wednesday. Wednesday, thank you. Did you watch the speech? What, uh, what did you get out of it? I did watch it. Well, I, I listened to it. I had it on the uh, the old audio. And, I mean, Mikey's mad at us. This was this was a little bit harder for spanking than we got the last time. So it's <laughs> it's been all what two or three months of getting getting the uh, the old dad talk that I'm, I'm not mad i'm disappointed you know we got to do better we got to do better so i think well mike mikey boy drew a little bit of a line in the sand and said 
yeah, it's time to get it together, guys, or, or some things are going to happen. So he hang in a little bit of the uh, shutting things down over our heads, saying if we don't get it together, uh, bars, restaurants, gyms, I think, were things he mentioned specifically. Mm-hmm. Yep. He might might drop the hammer on a little bit. Um, I find it hard to believe that we're really going to be able to move the needle in a week. So my own take on that is I think those things are coming pretty much no matter what happens in the next week. And this was his way of saying you, you got a week to to prepare for what's coming. But this was definitely the strongest performance we've seen from Governor DeWine, the hardest he's, he's come at Ohio since April or May, I would say. Uh, Andy, do you think it's coincidence that he finally grew a bit of a spine, you know, after – the election was over and uh, Papa Daddy Trump uh, would no longer be the president? No, I don't think that's the least bit coincidental. Um, I mean, if you look at, if you, if we go back to March and we look at the way that Governor DeWine was approaching the pandemic, I mean, Ohio was, was out ahead of the curve. I mean, we shut down before a lot of other states that we shut schools down before a lot of other states said people were calling him crazy saying, you can't do that. And then we ended up, you know, having a virtually nationwide shutdown and, and we were a little bit ahead of the curve there. And man, when Trump started kind of coming out with some of the crazy stuff, DeWine went real quiet because I think he was afraid to to get on the bad side. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's the least bit coincidental that, that now Trump has lost the election and DeWine has come out and is one of the Republicans that is accepting the reality that that's over and congratulated President-elect Biden I think now that, that you know, DeWine is, is taking that approach, yeah, I, I think absolutely he is going to come a lot stronger now that he doesn't have Big Daddy Trump looking over his shoulder. I just want to sidebar for a second. It is absolutely bonkers that it has really only been a handful of, you know, higher-up Republican politicians who have even acknowledged the fact that Joe Biden will be the next president. Um, it ranges anywhere between uh, – wishy-washy like you know let's continue counting the votes and making sure we just count legal votes and letting the uh states certify their their elections and not letting the media call it even though all of these people rush to congratulate trump you know within the first 24 hours of the media calling his election in 2016 uh just to an outright very dangerous you have you know secretary of state mike pompeo literally saying that they're preparing for a second uh, Trump uh, term uh, as far as planning for you know their agenda for next year uh, Trump's told you know for the budget projected budget for next year to act as if he's still going to be the president uh, the GSA is still not certifying Biden as the winner so much of the transition from Trump to Biden has been slowed down and this has finally been kind of the alarm bell that has put some Republicans uh, on high alert because uh, you know, I don't. I, I've read about this some this week that there has been there were some studies that say the delay for Bush uh, Bush's transition back in 2000 and how long it took him to get uh, underway uh, in part contributed to the national security risk that we had that ended up resulting in 9/11 because his team was not prepared. So. The government not acknowledging Biden will be the next president is a national security threat to our country. Uh, and so this needs to, you know, be fixed immediately. And you started to see some Republicans say Trump doesn't have to admit 
that he lost, but he does need to let Biden start getting the presidential daily brief to start getting some of this important classified information on national security. Well, tell us how you really feel. (laughs) (laughs) Bonkers. It's bonkers. Yeah. I mean, and we've had some discussion and I I can't remember if this was on last episode of the pod or if this is just a conversation that we've had kind of outside the context of, of this public forum, but I mean, Trump still certainly has a hold on the Republican Party as of now. I mean, 2024, I think, is up in the air. So how many people right now, I think, are hedging between are we going to play it up to? I I mean, I think the Republican Party right now is trying to get their bearings and figure out, is Trump still going to be the voice and drive the agenda, even not as the president and uh, in preparation for 2024? Or, you know, is the Republican Party maybe going to? come back to a little bit more sanity. So I, I think a lot of people are maybe trying to get their bearings on that and, and not wanting to run afoul of Trump if he is going to continue to have that kind of sway over the party going forward. But it is absolutely dangerous to continue to to pretend like this election didn't happen fairly and that it, that it hasn't already been decided. I mean, it, the, as we go on, it's looking like it's not even going to necessarily be close in the Electoral College. I mean, it's going to be about the the same margin of victory that Trump had in 2016, I think. Yeah, exact same number of electoral votes, 306. In 2016, Kellyanne Conway called that a, you know, a landslide, just a gigantic, uh, you know, resounding win. And uh, it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same number that Biden achieves over uh, over Trump. It does uh, make me feel a little nauseous that Trump gets 306 electoral votes. Uh, I think he lost the popular vote by about 3 million in 2016. Biden is going to end up with the same number of electoral votes, but he is going to have beaten Trump by about 5 million votes. So you got, I don't know, an 8 million vote difference that's resulting in the same electoral college victory. Uh, Definitely something to maybe, you know, think about uh, if we ever uh, regain control of the House, Senate, and, uh, and the presidency as far as, electoral college uh you know examining its its usefulness and and worthiness um but again biden's going to be president we just have to ride out these uh next couple months and um and we'll go from there so um okay back to dewine's uh speech so as you said restaurants bars gyms are kind of they have the sword of damocles hanging over them right now Uh, it seems very likely that they are going to be shut down. Uh, DeWine says it's not personal. It's just, it's impossible to mask in those places effectively. And if you can't mask effectively, you're going to drive the spread of the disease. Can't have that. Uh, I believe he also tried to put some teeth into the the mask order. Um, and so uh, do, you, do you want to talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, so I think part of the the teeth that he's putting into that is, is he's putting that responsibility on the businesses. So it, it is now on the businesses, individual businesses to enforce that mask mandate. And if that's not happening, the first offense is going to be a written warning. And the second offense is going to be a 24 hour shutdown of the business. So I think knowing that it's going to be impossible to have, you know, inspections and have local law enforcement enforcing mask mandates everywhere. I think he's really putting that on, the small businesses and saying you need to take responsibility for both what your employees are doing as well as what your patrons are doing. 
but I mean, that, that, that is a step forward. The mask mandate before was kind of just a general like, hey guys, you should do this. And if you do it, cool. And if not, nothing's really gonna happen. So, I mean, that is definitely a stronger step to put that, I mean, to really assign that responsibility to the business. Cause I think he intentionally didn't do that at the beginning because he didn't want to burden businesses and, and, and have people fighting people at the door. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because I mean, I know at the beginning, as mask mandates came out, people were like literally fist fighting people that asked them to do something that was common sense. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But I mean, this is definitely a, a stronger mask mandate than we had before. So I think you're right. I think that, you know, this is now uh, we're done fucking around with our you know recommendations. And I please do this. I, you know, I hope you do this. Uh, we're going to put some enforcement behind it. Again, I don't you know, this is not going to become a police state. Like, there's still going to be places where mass compliance is not great. Uh, I mean, there's, I know there's several establishments in the city that seem to be, you know, unofficially kind of mask-free type zones. And, you know, I'm sure once you learn about it, if that's your thing, you you, you choose to go to that, that establishment. Uh, but for the most part, I would say, like, I've been fairly impressed in the public places I've been, which have largely just been grocery stores and pharmacies. Uh, you know, that mass, you know, mask use is, is pretty high. You know, I haven't seen a whole lot of bad behavior and temper tantrums from people not wanting to wear a mask. Um, but it's just trying to fight that general sense of fatigue. Like we've been doing this for a while now and it just sucks with the way the seasons go. You know, we've gone this really long stretch where the weather's been nice and people have largely been able to be outside. Um, and now we're approaching winter, approaching flu season. People are going to be driven indoors. Um, and there's just this general fatigue with wearing a mask and social distancing and trying to limit your social circle. And and so we really just need to do our best. Again, the wine put some of the onus on, you know, large amount of the onus on these businesses but the largest onus is still on us as, as citizens, as people who exist in society uh, and, and need to take a social responsibility to do our best to stop the spread of the virus. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, there was certainly a part of me that was happy that, I mean, DeWine can only do so much as he can do. And I think adding some of that force behind the mask mandate was good. But I mean, as we've seen, I mean, anybody that's, that's watched a couple of his press briefings can see, I mean, the spread isn't really happening in those businesses. The The largest amount of spread is just happening in, you know, informal personal gatherings where you have a couple people or more than a couple people together. And that's something you're never going to really be able to regulate. So I, I'm afraid that even if we ramp these things up, if we don't see the spread go down, people are going to push themselves even further and say, well, it's not, none of it's working because it really comes out of people making those smart choices individually. And, and I'm a little bit afraid that as bars and restaurants close, is that just going to drive people together in other settings where they're even less likely to practice those safe behaviors, where at least, you know, the tables are going to be socially distanced or maybe have a barrier between them in public. Whereas, you know, are you then going to have 10 people getting together to watch a football game, taking absolutely no precautions at all? For sure. And I'm going to kind of jump down to a little later in our outline. You know, the other thing that we have approaching is the holidays, right? Like, so we have Thanksgiving coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, you know, you have Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and the new year and, 
and all of these holidays coming up where people again it's it's hard-coded it's you know you, you get everybody together for christmas or you gather around the thanksgiving table and and eat until you want to pass out and then watch football like you know these are things that really like define the american lifestyle like you, we don't get real time off uh from our jobs so you really got to milk those holidays for all that they're worth um so people are going to be uh you know driven together for the holidays uh what do you think like as is covid altering any of your holiday plans this year yeah it is for us i mean we're going to do the the you know the small family thanksgiving so it'll just be the the parents and then my sister as opposed you know normally we do the bigger extended family thanksgiving but we are doing the the small family thanksgiving for sure um i mean i think the big family thanksgiving is still going to go on but that's something that that our small part of the family has decided that that that's not something that we're going to participate in this year right and i really i mean every every family is going to face that decision uh you know as to what they're going to do and i mean again you have to do what's right for your family um you know we're gonna minimize as best we can we have uh you know three sets of family usually that we try to visit on the holiday a lot of them we still interact with because they are involved with babysitting our children uh, but one set's going to tennessee for the holiday so we know we cross them off the list um and, and won't see them and it makes our social circle that much smaller for the weekend you just got to hope that the people that you're with are taking it seriously and you know go before you leave to go uh to go somewhere wash your hands don't touch your face come home wash your hands uh try to spread out as much as you can i mean it looks like we finally succumbed to fall going into winter but we just had uh you know a, a couple beautiful 70 degree days in november so if we hit one of those stretches again try to move your your party outside as much as you can try to spread out and uh and we'll just have to see i mean fourth of july memorial day labor day i mean these are some of the big uh spike weekends where a week or two after those weekends you see the cases go way up so you know we're we're unfortunately probably going to see that again uh try and do your best uh to be safe you know again you know knock on wood hopefully we'll have many more thanksgivings and christmases if you start feeling that tickle in the back of your throat if you wake up and you just don't feel very good like I'm sure somebody can bring you over leftovers. Uh, just try to stay safe this holiday season. Yeah, and just remember that there's a lot of creative options that you don't necessarily have to be physically in the same place to still be connected. I mean, I, I had, you know, in, in March and April, I had never video called, FaceTimed with my parents in my life. You know, if I want to see them, I would just go over and see them. And we started doing those calls with the kids. And I mean, it was hilarious because the kids are running around and the phone is in one place and the kids are in another place. But I mean, there, there are still certainly ways to stay connected and to feel close to the people that you care about without necessarily being in the same room with them. It, it talk, Speaking of holidays, I mean, here we sit, it, Halloween was two weeks ago and everybody kind of, I feel like a lot of people treated Halloween as, and, and you know, every other Halloween. And I'm sure that's contributing to the numbers we're seeing right yep. now. Yep. And, and I mean, the, just the rate of community spread. If we continue at this, I mean, we could be at 10,000 cases a day here in two weeks for Thanksgiving. And I mean, that is, if you're really playing with fire, the bigger the groups that you have together. Absolutely. Well, look what we have to look forward to. Um, one more topic uh, on this before we kind of spread into some more ancillary 
uh, COVID issues. Um, schools obviously are going to be impacted by this. So uh, here locally in Toledo, uh, the the city school district, Toledo Public Schools, they had been they had started the year uh, completely remote uh, in the red plan, as it were. Uh, took a while to go to hybrid, and they have announced that they're going back to all virtual learning. Andy, so let me give you another little Sylvania School Drama Corner uh, for this episode. So we've been getting emails from the school district. They've done their best to improve their communication than they have. And again, the two metrics for that Sylvania Schools has established are if we go over 200 cases per 100,000 people, and if we have a 10% positivity rate or higher, we will go back to, we will go to a red plan where we are a virtual five days a week. Right now, my kids, again, are going to school two days a week on the hybrid plan. So they send out this data. They send out this email on Tuesday that says we're trending in the wrong direction. We're going to follow back up with you on Friday. Um, And so I'm looking at this email that I got earlier today, and it says Thursday, uh, 1029, 159 cases per 100,000 people. Thursday, 11.5, a week later. 239 cases per 100,000 people. The number holds steady this Monday. And then as of today, 394 cases per 100,000 people in Lucas County. So we've blown past the cases per 100,000 people metric. We are almost double. So I go over to the positivity rate column, 7%, 8%, 9%. And then for the positivity rate, uh, rate percentage for today there's this footnote that says no update has been provided since 11.9 this update will this will be updated on Monday 11.16 because the county only issues those numbers on Monday and Tuesday so now we're going to get another email on Monday Andy how much do you want to wager that as we've you know increased by about 150 cases per 100,000 uh, that that positivity rate is going to go up just the 1% we need to well, I'm not in social work because I'm good at math, but I'm going to say you're probably going to hit that number. And also, if you are double what your cases per 100,000 threshold is, I'm not sure it matters whether you hit that second indicator or not. So we get this email and in this, in, in this email, it says that the school district acknowledges this information may be disheartening for some while not nearly timely enough for others. I'm going to go ahead and say I fall into the not nearly timely enough for others camp because you know this is going to be at 10%. Like, come on, what are we doing? And they don't want to change. They want to give parents a week's head notice, you know, a week's notice. So on Monday, you know, it pushes to the Mac another week that they could do this. But you know what's going to happen on Monday. Start preparing it and tell parents, hey, we don't have this number yet, but you need to start preparing for it. I don't know why you wouldn't just dump that on a Friday afternoon when you're going to be out of the office for the next three days and not have to deal with all of the angry people. I mean, at least you'll have that waiting for you on Monday. Like I'd rather that that's when you fire out at four 30 on Friday afternoon and shut the computer down for the weekend. Exactly. And like you, <laughs> and like the week after that is the short week because of Thanksgiving. So like, can't we just throw in the towel on that week already? It's already going to be a short week. Like we are, we already know where this is going to end up. Like most of the colleges in the area have said, you go home for Thanksgiving break, 
and you're not coming back until the start of winter semester. We're going to finish the year virtually. So like, come on, this is what's going to happen with the grade schools. Like again, the virus is unrestrained right now. So, you know, I hope at least on their end that they're making these preparations because there's no way in the world on Monday, we're not going to be at 10%. You're going to shut all the schools down. And again, you do this equivocal bullshit and you're just going to piss everybody off on both sides. So I don't know, make a decision. I hope they're planning for that, but I, you know, dollars to donuts on Monday, we're going to find out we're going all virtual again. Yeah. I mean, the only reason that you wouldn't send that email is if you're seriously considering just saying fuck it to the criteria that you've already put out saying that this is what we're going to make our decision by. And I mean, the way the dominoes are falling in the county, the, 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 there's no way they're going to end up not closing. So Sylvania, get it together. I mean, you guys have the worst positivity rate in the county. So I, just get it, get it together. Come on. We're going to send you guys off to Fulton County here if you don't get your lives <laughs> oh, together. No. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so how's schooling going for you? Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, schooling itself is, is going okay. They had to shut down one grade at the school for a little while because there was a positive test and then they were able to open it back up. I mean, if you want to see a bunch of people not following best guidelines, go to my kid's school when they're doing pickup because there are just groups of parents sitting around, masks off, and then they do the cute little move when their kids that have been wearing masks all day come out, they slip the mask on as the doors open as if they've been standing there the whole time wearing the mask saying, look, I'm in it with you. I'm doing it with you. But they have been standing there for 20 minutes yakking with 15 people, no mask on. And then they just slip it on when the kids come out and act and just give them, just give them that routine. Like mommy does it too. Drives me nuts. Man. It's just, it's so, it's just so unimaginable to me like for both of my kids who are still going to school right now like you know for for uh my older son's school you know in the slovenia uh school district you know pickup is he great and he takes the bus so it doesn't matter but for parent pickup for kids who go there like it's you you know they have a an intricate drive-through system you don't get out of your car you know the kid comes to your loading zone and they get in your car and you drive away when i go to pick up um drop off and pick up my middle son uh, at his autism school like I must be wearing a mask before I even get out of the car uh, again it's I get out of the car I, I bring my child to them I immediately return to my car everybody's wearing a mask um, except for these special needs kids uh, and, and again there's no <laughs> there's no conversation you know there's no, no conversation between other parents it's like it's here bing bang boom they take them in they get their temperature taken um, I don't know. We got to model. We got to model good behavior for our kids, and when the adults can't do it, it's, it's just rough. The last thing I'm gonna say, because I could literally go on for the entire next hour and a half, raging about, about this <laughs> with, with no problem. I mean, we we break this into a three parter. My kid is the only one in the class that was a Biden supporter, so I think that's probably not a coincidence. No way. Yep. And has said some of the most amazing things. The kids were getting Biden's going to raise taxes. Don't you know he's going to raise taxes? And her response was, yeah, guys, taxes are what pays to make our communities better. Proudest moment I've ever had in my life. And I was like, all right, I'm done. I've accomplished all of the parenting goals I've ever had. And my oldest is 10. If you're 10 year, if you were teaching your 10 year old 
about lowering the marginal tax rate so you can have more money in, in your you know in your 401k or you know in your, your stock dividends paying out like what is go- come on what is going on like oh man that's I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I've tried to, you know, avoid, I mean, obviously I'll, I'll have conversations with my wife and my son will be in the room or whatever, but like, you know, I'm going to try it my best to just, you know, say, this is what I believe in. Uh, you know, eventually you're going to, you know, go to high school, go off to college, you know, form your own opinions, just as long as you have an explanation for them and you have actually researched them and you feel strongly about them. Like, sure. I'm sure I'm going to disagree with my children on, on a bunch of things or whatever, but like, come on, like, oh, that's just so galling to me. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess that's why you have to have crazy people like us that are, that are teaching our kids other ways to think. So I, I was very proud that despite being the only kid in, in the classroom that felt that way, that, that she was willing to stand up for, you know, what she believes in, what she's learned and conversations we've had. And I'm sure I have some influence on those conversations, but you know, that it wasn't just like a, oh yeah, I like Trump too. I, I respect that she was willing to kind of be that, that lone duck and say, no, no, I, I, I think we can do better. And we did baby. Woo. Uh, yes, we did. All right. So I want to, uh, speaking of government and how this is going to be handled, um, uh, two, uh, new developments that came out this week. Uh, some good news. Finally, let's talk some good news. Two things. So Biden announced his uh, COVID uh, um, transition team, uh, his task force, as it were. Uh, again, people remember that Biden's task force is completely, it's people completely outside of government. You know, he's not going to have Fauci or Burks or Redfield uh, uh, on any of these that, you know, will wait until he's actually the president for that kind of things to happen. But, uh, you know, it's very nice to see that the task force has actual, you know, doctors, who have experience in infectious disease. Uh, the three co-chairs of his uh, COVID team uh, include a former FDA commissioner, a former Surgeon General, and then a Yale Associate Dean for Health Equity Research. Um, and so there's definitely was also some mix of, uh, you know, one of the questions for the vaccine and for treatment of handling COVID, it's not just going to be, what is the solution getting a vaccine, but it's making sure that it gets, you know, distributed and uh, it's available for all Americans, regardless of, uh, you know, your, uh, your tax bracket. So uh, it looks like the Biden team is addressing uh, that concern as well. There's going to be heavy logistical issues as far as getting, you know, as much of the population as possible uh, vaccinated, but uh, definitely some encouraging news. Uh, out of the Biden team so far. Yeah, I think the vaccine news is huge. Hopefully for all of the people in Ohio and just across the country that are fighting so hard against things that may have to go in places going to the winter here. I would hope that having some sort of light at the end of the tunnel and, and, and seeing that, you know, a vaccine isn't years away. It's, you know, hopefully months away for at least a lot of people will make those things a little bit more palatable. Yes. So again, that second piece of news, we got vaccine news this week. um, And I want to spend a little time on this. I didn't get that A in virology and immunology in my senior year at Ohio State for nothing. Um, So definitely something that interests me. So I kind of want to go through uh, some facts about this. I'm just going to indulge my uh, nerd side for a little bit here. Uh, So it was announced this week that Pfizer 
uh, in partnership with BioNTech, which is a German company, announced preliminary results that their vaccine was more than 90% effective. And that 90% number is huge. So to, you know, in contrast, the flu vaccine is somewhere in the 40 to 60% range. A lot of the vaccines that we have uh, now are in that 90th percent range. Uh, The FDA was at set a bar of only 50% effectiveness for potential emergency use uh, authorization for vaccines. The Pfizer protocol wanted to be at least 60% effective. And so far, their preliminary data shows 90% effectiveness, which again, just a phenomenal number, better than could have been expected. Um, And so that's really great. Some more information about this vaccine. Within the next week or so, Pfizer is going to officially approach the FDA for emergency use authorization and some higher risk uh, population groups. Uh, Again, there's still going to be a long, you know, approval process. And then we have to worry about manufacturing and distributing the vaccine. Um, some notes about those. Uh, Pfizer said that they were looking to get maybe 15 to 20 million doses, uh, excuse me, 30 uh, to 40 million doses. Uh, The vaccine is going to be a two-dose vaccine. Uh, So you're going to get an initial dose, and then I think in the two to three-week range uh, after that, you will get your second dose, and then you will be considered done uh, getting the vaccine um, at this time. And uh, so again, 40 million doses is only going to cover 20 million people. We've got about 330 million people. Obviously, not all of them are going to choose to get vaccinated, but um, Fauci projects April probably will be when we start having mass availability to the public. So really just some great news right there. What do you what do you think so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's great. Like I said, having a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, I think, you know, I, th- I think people are just so burned out because this just seemed infinite. So now, you know, there's there's a little bit of finality to it, hopefully. So if, you know, April, May, June, you know, if we're only in this for another six months, I think hopefully people can, can buckle down and kind of do what needs to be done to save as many lives. And then we can start getting back to a little bit of normal, but, which is what? So the 2021 football season, maybe yeah. we can start having like crowds, things like that again. I mean, that's, there's some positive there. Yes. Uh, that would be great um, for sure. So there's lots of things that we still don't know yet, right? Like the, the cohort of people who, uh, you know, underwent this vaccine trial, you know, are, are selected, you know, a lot of them are kind of ideal candidates, healthy uh, individuals, we realize that a lot of the general population is not that. Uh, they've expanded and they have included some, uh, you know, some elderly people. Uh, they've started, they've gone down to uh, children as young as 16 and are working on going lower than that. Um, so we still don't know exactly which, pop, you know, is this vaccine going to be that affected in some of these more higher risk populations? But again, starting at that 90 plus percent number is just a really good starting place. Um, and then just kind of some of the nuts and bolts. I mean, again, this vaccine is going to be something where you're injecting mRNA in the muscle cells. Your, your, your own body is going to make uh, spike proteins of COVID. Uh, spike proteins are the proteins on viruses that uh, help it attach to your own human body cells. And then you know, the virus goes into your body and it starts uh, infecting your DNA and replicating and whatnot. Um, And so it looks like 
the spike protein was a really good target for this vaccine and the other vaccines that are already in development right now have also been targeting that protein so what we also have coming up in the pipeline if for some reason there are some issues uh, with this specific formulation um, it looks like we could have a bunch of different uh, vaccines that are all going to be relatively effective because they're looking to target the same uh, virus protein and that's going to help again as far as getting this device or getting this vaccine manufactured on a scale where we can start you know inoculating the whole world and, and getting some real you know legitimate immunity uh, for all populations across the world. I didn't hear you mention what kind of microchips that they're going to be injecting us <laughs> with. So if you could go back and cover that, I may have missed that. Oh, well, there's special Bill Gates microchips. And uh, when you get the microchip, uh, it doesn't do anything because you already have one in your phone that just gives the government everything that, that they need already. So I'm really excited about this. Again, like this is just, this is everything, you know, we've talked a lot about all the shit that we've had to deal with in 2020 for in our generation. Uh, but this is the positive side, right? Like we took a n completely novel virus, you know, and we, we know it's family members and we've seen similar type things before, but we took a new virus and we said, Hey, humanity is going to put its collective intellect together combined with some, you know, amazing supercomputer technology. We're going to smush those things together. And we're going to figure out how to make people immune against this virus. And again, we're still early, you know, it always, I always want to take a step back and say, let's just wait and see, let's just wait and see. But the preliminary data right now looks really good. Uh, this is really something that uh, we should be uh, proud of. Well, I think if we go back to March, people were saying that this could potentially take years. I mean, I think there were projections that could be like two to three years before we had something effective. And here we are. What, seven eight months out and we had i mean that i think this is beating all but the most optimistic of projections so fuck man it's 2020 if we got something to celebrate let's celebrate it exactly and it's like and you know and, and some people might be listening and thinking well does this mean we like cut corners does this mean we we rushed it through are we going to get you know another thalidomide where we're going to have crazy bad side effects that come out after this and it's like it, you know, a lot of the there's been a lot of explanation out there, and it's largely just we have tools now that we've never had from a computing perspective. You know, we've we pulled out all the stops. You know, the United States, countries around the world, uh, and said, okay, we have a singular task, and it is to control this virus. And when you know we band together, you know, this is starting to sound like an Independence Day speech, but when we band together and we we focus on this com common enemy. Uh, it's really amazing uh, what we can do, all of humanity. So good job by us. I mean, I'm going to nerd out a little bit, but th this reminds me a little bit of the, the mid to late 60s when we decided we were going to the moon and we said, you yeah. know, money is no object. Let's get our best minds on this. Let's kind of, you know, drop whatever else you might be working on. And let's, if we can all put our collective brains and, you know, again, if if money is less of an object, then... I mean, we were able to, to land ourselves on another planet and, you know, here we are doing that again, once again, to save humanity. So this is, this is exciting. This is the best. I mean, this has got to be the best news we've had in, in six months, right? I mean, Justin Fields has as many touchdowns as incomplete passes. Hey. 
Well, it's all right. So it's top three news. <laughs> uh, for sure. For sure. Well done. Well done. Scientists of the world. Good job. Okay. So speaking of Justin Fields, um, just the pandemic is just ravaging sport, sports right now. Uh, so walk us through some of the big developments that we've had, particularly in college football. Well, I think Justin Fields is going to throw for at least five touchdowns this weekend. <laughs> Wait. Mm. Oh, just, just getting this. Ohio State's not playing. Bama's not playing. Whatever whack team they had at number five, I think it was Texas A&M, is not playing. So three of the top five teams in college football are out. More than half of the games in the SEC, they're not playing. I'm big surprised the SEC is doing something wrong. Uh, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. He was out somehow. So did you did you watch any of the Clemson Notre Dame game? I old man made it like halfway through the first quarter, and then I was dead to the world. So no, I did not so, really watch this. So you might have made it long enough for. I mean, it was it was a really good. I watched the fourth quarter, and it was actually a pretty entertaining game from two just god awful teams that it's impossible to root for. <laughs> um, so dude, test positive for COVID nineteen, right? And he misses their game again. Was it Boston College? Somebody terrible. Yep. So he was not able to play against Notre Dame, and but he he was still there on the sidelines, dressed. Unbelievable. So you're not eligible to play because of your positive test, but you're still just going to hang out with the homies. I, that was wild to me. Well, you think that's wild? What happened after the game was over? Oh, yeah, Notre Dame said – I mean, I don't know how many people were in that stadium, but it was enough to fill up the whole field when they rushed the field like a bunch of idiots. Just – I cannot believe the school dropped the ball that badly. Granted, like, again, you can't control if, if thousands of screaming college kids have, get something in their head. Like, you can't, you know, like, pepper spray them or whatever. But, like, I don't know how you don't come on before the game – at halftime, you know, you know, as you, you know, if the game went to overtime, so between the overtimes, like say, you will be expelled, your tuition will not be refunded. If you get down on the field, you are donezo. Like any kind of, you know, just semblance of stay in the stands, don't rush the field. Like, oh, you guys are excited that you beat Clemson, you might go to the college football playoff. Well, if you just infected your whole team, with COVID because you couldn't stay in the stands. Like, what are you guys doing? I think you have to consider who we're talking about here. This is the school whose president was at the White House super spreader event. Mask was hanging out. You're right. Damn it. You're right. This is going to be a controversial question here. Have you been to, have you been to church since the pandemic? No. Do you know why I haven't been to church since the pandemic? No, but I'd love to hear it. Okay, well, I, this is actually a, a bit off more than I can chew. This is actually a long, complicated answer. So, no, I will say in part a reason that I have not been to church since the pandemic. Um, I have watched some masses online, and I think that is a completely acceptable and reasonable alternative. But as you put a hundred or a couple hundred people in a confined space and have them sing at the top of their lungs, which, I mean, let's be honest, it's Catholic Mass. Nobody sings at the top of their lungs. Um, but you put them all in a confined space. Like, this is, you you have a communion line that all feeds up to the same couple of people. Like, this is super spreader 101. Like, you know, and again, 
I don't want to hear, oh, the government's against religion. They're shutting down our churches. Everywhere got shut down. Restaurants getting shut down. Bars getting shut down. Gyms getting shut down. You're you're not getting targeted. It's because this is a very, very unsafe place to physically be. You know, even for an hour, I realize that it's very important to people. Again, I, you know, I know there's some people who would rather, you know, give up anything else than the going to church on on the weekend, and that's fine. But like, stay like. There's still there's still heavy masses online. You can still watch a mass online. Like, no, I mean, you know, I and I'm not gonna say, you know, oh, you, you know, they're a Catholic university or whatever. I mean, sure, yes, partly, but your your point is so damning. Like, their president went to a super spreader event at the White House, didn't mask up. Lo and behold, he gets COVID, and so does so many other people there. Like, just just awful, just a complete epic fail. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't the least bit surprised when they rushed the field. I was disappointed. I was hoping that maybe the football fans in them would save them and say, well, let's not expose our teams. But, I mean, it, it wasn't surprising. It was just disappointing. I think that was an opportunity, the NCAA, which you, you know they're never going to do this, but they could have come down and gave them a little bit of a, a whack on the wrist and, you know, maybe – I'm just thinking off the top of my head, so I, I haven't prepared any thoughts on this, but I mean, there could have been some consequences for that from an NCAA perspective that would have discouraged other teams from doing that in the future. And uh, I mean, big surprise, the NCAA sat on their hands and said, we're not going to piss anybody off. But So uh, one of the foundational uh, shows of my teenage years and in the college was PTI. And, you know, Mike Wilbon, and Tony Kornheiser talking about the sports of the day. Um, and Wilbon has a favorite word, and he uses it a lot, uh, quite a bit for the NCAA, and it's gutless. And just the way he says it, just, just, they're just gutless. And I mean, if there's ever been an organization that has been defanged to the degree that the NCAA has been, just why even exist? Like, if you can't drop the, the hammer on a school that rushed the field, like, during a pandemic, you know, with two teams that you desperately want, you know, you want at least one of those teams to be in the the football playoffs to draw millions of eyeballs and make that money that you so desperately want. Like, man, just just the epic fail. I think we might have to have an NCAA episode at some point in the future. Just uh, what a trash organization they are. It can't be an episode. It's going to have to be like a fucking mini mini series. Like, there's just so much to do. Oh, man. A special production of Buckeye Dads Discuss. The NCAA trash. Four parts. Buckle up, guys. It's coming. Um, So some other notes uh, that I added in here. Um, Arizona State literally does not have the minimum number of required scholarship players to even be on the field this week. So they, they are affected. There's 15 games and counting right now that have been canceled this weekend. Uh, Herm Edwards, you play to win the game, uh, has COVID, uh, along with, I think, the entire side, either all their defense or all their offense uh, is COVID positive. So, again, that's just kind of the, the scale of, of what we're experiencing right now. The Big 12 commissioner says that the college football playoff could be delayed again, like – you know, this is not breaking news. Like they don't really have a whole lot of competition. They are the 
you know, they are the college version of the NFL. Whenever they have the playoff, people will be there and people will watch it. So, you know, if they push it back, I, w- I would not be surprised. I don't know why they'd be waiting on the Big 12, though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right. I guess he was the one to say it, but uh, they're not waiting on you, bud. Right. It would only have been even, you know, less important had like the Pac-12 commissioner come out and said, hey, guys, uh, you make sure you save us a spot, please, maybe, if you can. And half the country says, do you guys started playing this year? We thought you yeah. took the year off. Basically. Um, and then I, I really can only do usually one sport at a time. Uh, so I have not paid too much attention to the college basketball. Uh, the Ivy League announced, I believe today, either today or yesterday, that they are canceling all winter sports, which includes college basketball. Um, and they, I mean, yeah, you say, oh, it's the Ivy League. They have an automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. They usually, you know, they could be frisky. Uh, and so it would not surprise me at all if the college basketball season just moved completely and they didn't even consider starting until the start of the new year. But that is not something that I've really prepared to talk about. I have not investigated yet. Ivy League's a good hockey league, too. So I'm canceling winter sports. I'm going to miss out on some decent hockey. Uh, the Big Ten is actually underway as of tonight that we're recording here on the 13th and the first big 10 hockey game is actually tonight oh wow i don't don't know where basketball is at either you know i'm gonna be the last guy in the world to know what's going on with basketball but as far as winter sports big 10 hockey is back yeah i just can't like college basketball like the the drop off in play between the nba and college is just the, the gulf is so enormous that like yeah i'll watch ohio state and i'll watch you know Kentucky's playing Michigan State or Duke in North Carolina or whatever, but man, there's so much unwatchable college basketball that I just can't. I just usually don't even try to pretend until conference tournaments I'm leading into the 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 big dance. So I watched one game of the NBA finals this year and I was proud of myself. So <laughs> <laughs> that's my take on basketball. Yeah, the NBA is looking to start right around Christmas. Uh, and they're trying to get their 72 games in so they can make all their TV money. Um, they're not going to bubble. Uh, they're going to try and do a baseball type schedule where they, you know, minimize their road trips and play the same team a couple times uh, while they're in, while they're in a city and whatnot. Um, but that's, I, I haven't even put any mental energy into that yet. We're still in football season in knock on wood. Hopefully Ohio state can keep their team together. You know, are we sure that Trevor Lawrence actually got COVID or does he just not want to play for the Jets next year? I'm not sure I'd play for the Jets for that kind of money. <laughs> they are looking rough. Just just a dumpster fire of a team. There's, there's some bad teams in the NFL this year. So COVID has obviously, you know, permeated itself in all aspects of life right now. Uh, hopefully... We can start turning things around, uh, but we'll just have to try and get through winter as best we can. Wear a mask. Wear a mask, indeed. All right, Andy. Last bit of note uh, before we move into our our list of the week. So you have on here election memes, four seasons total landscaping, and if any one event could epitomize the four years of the Donald Trump presidency. It has to be a press conference 
at a landscaping company that sits between a crematorium and a dildo stu- a dildo shop. <laughs> I don't know that there's any. Yeah, I don't know there's anything that has brought me more joy in 2020 than watching the four seasons total. I can't even, I love it. I absolutely, it's the end of like a a Vince Vaughn. It's it's like an alternate ending of Dodgeball. It's like Vince Vaughn, (laughs) Ben Stiller, you know, average shows win, Globo Jim loses. And I mean, Rudy Giuliani ranting in a parking lot, making no goddamn sense. Again, like you said, the dildo stars right on the. I mean, it's the end of a bad movie. It, it could not. If that was in a comedy movie, you'd be like, "This is unrealistic," but it's funny. And here, I mean, what a perfect ending to the last four years of you're in a parking lot of a landscaping store that just so happens to have the name of a hotel. Did you just screw up? Did you try to book the Four Seasons and you call the wrong number? Maybe who knows? Maybe not. Maybe you intended to do it there. I love it. There's a Zoom background. I'm going to do meetings all next week, I think, as if I'm at the Four Seasons Total Landscape oh. <laughs> and see if anybody notices. I'll, so I, I might be unemployed next week, but wow, I love it. And just the memes that have come out of it have just so good. I mean, the election in general, the, you know, the, the Nevada memes have been great, but wow, the Four Seasons Total Landscaping ones have just, I mean, if I'm having a rough part of the day, I, I just go on Twitter and just look at those and just die for probably 15 minutes. Andy has, I mean, Rudy Giuliani, 2001, he is America's mayor. He is, you know, in the city during 9-11 and, and just, you know, right up there, you know, GW's out there, you know, throwing the first pitch with a bulletproof vest on. And, you know, Republicans are, they're cool uh, and they're tough. Has anyone fallen from grace as much as America's mayor into literally, if you just put a hospital smock on him, you would say he escaped from the psych ward or he escaped from the old folks home. He is barely with it at this point. He's not even Jack Nicholson at One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He's one of the other guys. I mean, he is—he's out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you almost have to wonder if he's okay. Like, like seriously, wonder if he's okay. Absolutely. I mean, if you're—you're you're the guy who gets caught putting his hands hands down his pants and Borat too, like, <laughs> how do you even show your face like ever? You know, again, like. You're again, you are a super significant person in American politics, and now you're at a makeshift podium outside of Four Seasons Landscaping Company. Like, what? Oh, what is going on? What is going on? 2020. Hopefully, there will never be a year like this ever again. Did, did you see the, the local news reporter that interviewed him? No, I didn't. This was good. You got to check this one out. So, you know, Giuliani, I, I don't remember exactly how, but, but Giuliani is going on about something and he, he takes issue with the way that, that our local reporter characterized something. And he said, you should say it differently. And the guy said, we well, haven't provided any proof. And Rudy <laughs> Giuliani pulls out a piece of poster board to which he has glued, like, you know, third grade glue sticked a screenshot of a tweet. No. And holds it up to the camera. Wow. And the guy says, with all due respect, sir, that's just a screenshot glued to poster board. Oh my God. 
<laughs> and then Rudy obviously gets pissed. Yeah, I mean, I read earlier today that Trump has now officially put him in charge of all of the Trump uh, legal fights that are going on about the election right now. So, I mean, maybe that is him finally waving the white flag because, you know, if Rudy's running the show, you are cooked, my friend. You are cooked. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it has to be all about the most... Yeah, I mean, people have to realize that this is all just theater, right? I mean, are there people out there that really think that these lawsuits have some basis? To, I mean, I'm sure there are, but it, it's all just theater. Um, I was told two days ago by my aunt who popped into my parents' house that uh, don't worry, Josh, Trump is still going to be the uh, still going to be the president. He's still going to win. Uh, and I was like, how, really? Like, how is that going to work? And she's like just trust me i'm like okay whatever you say i need to go now well she's been reading his tweets that's basically his approach (laughs) just just wait just watch guys it's coming it's coming just watch so man that's that's got to be a tough one so for all the people still living in denial out there god bless you hopefully uh hopefully this doesn't uh shred you when i'm January 20th, uh, Biden is sworn in as the next president of the United States. But man, if you're a Trump supporter listening to our show, first of all, thank you. I'm sure this will be your last episode. And second of all, why did you start at episode 10? Because if you had listened to anything before this, there's not a chance you'd still be hanging around at this episode. Now, maybe somebody listens to the last episode and they're like, they're going to change their mind. I can feel it. Let's find out what happened. I, I, don't, I don't know. Hey, maybe we will on episode 11. Come on back and watch us. <laughs> All right, Andy. Anything else to say before we move on? No, let's get to the list of the week. Give the people what they want. All right, uh, we're moving on. We've already mentioned, obviously, our love for podcasts. Uh, We're doing one right now. Um, But this week, we're going to discuss our top five favorite podcasts. It's the list of the week. So, Andy... How like again? How long you've been listening to the podcast? Like, how did you stumble upon them? Uh, what's your relationship to podcast listening? Well, I'm going to start with with completely ignoring your question for a, a hot second here, and uh, you you do that a lot, so that's great. <laughs> if my mom was doing a list of the number one worst podcast, we might have made the list last week. She is ready to fight you over last week's uh, top five list, so. We may have to bring her on as like a, she said she feels personally insulted and attacked by your taste in restaurants. Uh, I still think they were trash. I was triggered a little bit today when, you know, the, the group text was blown up about your assault on French fries. So I'm glad that we have a less contentious list this time because I don't know if I can handle, I mean, we, we got some stuff to work through on what happened on the last top five list. So I will get to your question now. <laughs> I'm sorry that you're a lobbyist for Big Fry. Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to be a man of the people. You know, the, the fries, ketchup, they're trying to take over the world. And I'm just a, a lone voice crying out in the wilderness trying to save the world from Big Fry. I own stock in salt and ketchup. Why would I not use my platform? <laughs> yes, your mom is, is going to have to uh, take a number behind my wife who just looked at me after she got back into town and was just like that list was absolute garbage so yeah and then the next day she went to chick-fil-a and got chick-fil-a for dinner and you probably ate it and didn't say a word right no i didn't <laughs> if, she, if she brings home the mac and cheese i mean okay that's another conversation but oh uh, 
So my relationship with podcasts, it's a, it's a fairly new one. I know yours goes back a lot longer and I, I feel like I probably used to make fun of you for listening to podcasts at some point, uh, likely because I didn't understand how they worked. So it's just easier <laughs> to make fun of you than figure out how they worked. But mine's really only the last two or three years. I, I mean, so I had a, an awful four days when I started my job where I had to drive to Dayton, Dayton, Columbus, Dayton, which is Ooh. yeah, two, uh, two, no, two and a half hours. And I was driving to Dayton up and back each day. So that's five hours in the car, four days in a row. And I was like, I, I, just, I can't do music. I can't do talk radio. So I downloaded the iHeartRadio app and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to get into this podcast stuff and figure out what this is all about. So actually the first podcast that I, that really got me into podcasts is going to be number five on my list. So if you want me to just go ahead and transition into that, I can kind of start the story there. Yeah, let's do it. So number five on my list is Up and Vanished. It's a true, true crime podcast. You probably don't know about my love of true crime, but I i mean, I would say probably 85%, 90% of the podcasts I listen to are true crime. So I love it. This was the first one that I listened to the first episode. It's about this teacher from Georgia that goes missing and they go on this big hunt and it's nuts. They end up actually figuring out what happens. And I mean, I've listened to like the court TV transcript of the trial. I got this deep into it, which is not part of the podcast, but like I got into this. But so I listened to the first episode and man, I was like, holy shit, like there are people out here telling stories like this. I got to know what happened. So I was actually really happy to have those 20 hours of driving because I just about knocked out the show. So Up and Vanish, number one on the list. It was the first podcast I ever really fell in love with. Okay, do you have another true crime podcast on your list? Because I have a question for you about them, but I'm going to save it if if you have another one on the list. I do, but I'm almost certain that's not going to be one that, that you would even know. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to save my question then. Um, I'm going to rewind for a second. So as you said, I have been listening to podcasts since probably about 2007. Um, I really like just feel like I kind of wandered in at the very beginning of, of podcasting overall. I like to joke with my wife that I've had a relationship with Bill Simmons for longer than I've had a relationship with her. <laughs> Uh, because that was the first podcast that I've ever listened to. Uh, you know, I was just, uh, you know, in my dorm tooling around on ESPN and I, you know, I, I would listen to ESPN radio and, you know, at some point I was just like, I need some background why I'm, uh, you know, why I'm studying and what's this podcast link or whatever. Um, and I was like, Oh, just like a, you know, a freewheeling conversation about sports or pop culture, or politics or news. Um, and, you know, it, it gives me that stimulation that maybe I wasn't necessarily getting from music, uh, but it's something that, you know, you can just have on in the background. You can really, you know, be focused on it and just paying attention depending on how, you know, in-depth the subject material is. Uh, and so I just fell in love uh, very early on and really have consistently been listening to the podcast uh, ever since. Um, so number five on my list, I'm going to leave him at number five though there's certainly times where his podcast has been number one on my list it's the bill simmons podcast previously the bs report uh bill simmons uh started out as a writer for jimmy kimmel jimmy kimmel uh he moved over to espn uh he's authored several books including uh the book of basketball which is essential if you have any interest uh in the nba at all uh he he loves uh, he's from uh, Boston, the Boston area. 
Uh, so he's Patriots and uh, Celtics and Red Sox, uh, but really just like writes with the passion of your most enthusiastic fan. Uh, and even though he, you know, got bought out by Spotify recently and he's worth millions and millions of dollars, uh, he still has some of that uh, everyday fan veneer. Uh, and his podcast is, you know, he'll have athletes, he'll have, uh, you know, pop culture stars, he'll have famous actors and actresses. He'll just have his random buddies on from college. Uh, the whole gamut, you know, <laughs> it goes up and down. As far as the quality, you know, he's the CEO of uh, a website and a podcasting group, and uh, he has his hands in a lot of things. Uh, but this was the first podcast that I fell in love with, and it's number five on my list. I think that's very funny. The, the first podcast we fell in love with where we had to give him those nuts at number five on both our lists. Yeah, for sure. And before you jump into number four, again, I, I was going through this list earlier today, and I... Uh, I, I'm at like about, it looks like 13 or so podcasts that I listen to on a very consistent basis. I just want to call uh, to bring up some runner-ups here real quick. Um, if you're in looking for something more in the sports category, uh, Tony Kornheiser and Ryan Rosillo both have podcasts and they're very good. Um, if you are a huge nerd like me and you play Hearthstone, uh, the Angry Chicken and the Vicious Syndicate Data Reaper podcast are essential. The Big Picture, The Watch, uh, the connect are all ringer podcast about TV and movies and they're all spectacular. Um, and I want to give really special recognition, uh, to one last podcast, uh, pop culture leftovers is a show hosted by Brian and Jake. Uh, they talk about pop culture. They focus on, uh, Marvel and star Wars and DC and just anything that's relevant pop culture wise. And that was the very first show that my wife and I, both guested on is the first time I'd ever been on a podcast uh, with Brian. And then Jake had a, a separate podcast that I was on. Um, and it really kind of wet my appetite to actually uh, do this myself. And so I got some valuable firsthand experience. So special shout out to pop culture leftovers. Uh, if you want to listen to two guys and some guests go for legit four to six hours once a week, every week, it's a great way. If you got a long drive, to kill some time so shout outs to all those podcasts again i love the medium so much uh, and there's so much good stuff out there yeah that's a great shout out list there uh if we're ready for number four uh i'll go ahead and give you my number four that would be stuff they don't want you to know it's uh they would call themselves a conspiracy theory podcast i think it's very light heart weight conspiracy theories it's, it's really just more history kind of couched in the guise of uh conspiracy theories so it's it's fun you know they're 40 minute episodes one story occasionally they'll have a two-parter but it's really you know that's something that you can get in for your, your drive to work and home something like that so it's uh it's always an interest it's an interesting cast of characters I, I like the the hosts and that's something that you know you can just kind of pick up do an episode here or there and maybe not necessarily listen to everything in the feed so that's going to be my number four so I don't listen to that. That sounds very interesting. I do kind of want to dive into conspiracy theories and the psychology behind them as I think it's a super relevant and super interesting topic of conversation in uh, the internet age. Um, certainly relevant right now. And so, yeah, especially if it's just, you know, one episode, one topic type deals, I might have to start listening to that. That sounds pretty cool. 
Um, okay, my number four. Uh, so again, I'm going to be really heavy on the Ringer Podcast Network, Bill's Podcast Network. Um, there's a lot of great stuff there. My number four is going to be the Rewatchables. So the Rewatchables is uh, a podcast that just completely focuses on movies, and it's exactly what it sounds like. And you take Rewatchables, Remember the Titans, you usually have three co-hosts, and uh, they just you know have a bunch of categories, most rewatchable scene, uh, things that have aged the best, things that have aged the worst, half-ass internet research about the movie, um, you know, nitpicks and unanswerable questions. And really, it's just taking, you know, some of those movies, you know, from the 90s, the 2000s, that stretch for us where it's really memorable. Uh, some older movies, some more recent movies. Uh, I just, you know, again, I'm the, you know, I'm a movie guy. I love movies so much. Uh, and you just take those really fun ones that you can just watch over and over again. And you make a podcast about them. Very simple idea. Very enjoyable listen. Yeah, that's not one I've ever listened to. But I, I think you might have sold me with just the concept of that. Especially if it's that, like I said, the, that 90s, 2000s stuff that we grew up watching. I can get yeah. behind that. Yeah, I mean, again, like you know, uh, Wedding Crashers, Mean Girls, some of the movies that were on your list uh you know they they've done and again it's completely pressure free right if you you look and you see it's a movie you've never seen before and you just skip it and you just wait until the next one comes out uh, and you just pick and choose those movies that you actually have a connection with so uh love the rewatchables very funny highly recommend very nice number three on my list is gonna be dan carlin's hardcore history uh this is the exact opposite of what I just described with the last one where it's just you know a, a one 40 minute episode that you can pick up these are epic there are episodes that stretch I think like four to five hours I want to say somewhere in the 300 plus minute range and he will just do these epic sweeping so it doesn't come out and I don't think there's any sort of regularity to it I think episodes will just come out whenever but man he did like world war one podcast series that was probably four or five that were three to four hours a piece so i mean it, it was a chunk of time but he dives in every aspect of history it's fascinating he's got that voice he can just kind of build the excitement within you even even if it's something terrible i mean he's excellent so hardcore history just takes epic epic scope the long episodes and he just dives real deep so that's number three on my list I mean, you being a history major amongst us, uh, that certainly makes sense. Uh, where are some of the other topics he's done? Ooh, that's that, that's the freshest one. There's one that there's a Genghis Khan, I think, that there's that oh, there's okay. probably a solid 15 hours of content on um, uh, Japan in World War II, I believe, was an episode, was a, a series. And there, there's something else that, that I want to say goes back to like Middle Ages type. So, I mean, it really just, it spans history. There's probably a 2000 year span. Oh, that and I, I don't know awesome, what the next yeah. project is. I think, I think, I think the world war one project has wrapped up. So I'll be curious to see what he takes on next. Very cool. Okay. Uh, my number three podcast, it's called the press box. Uh, also a part of the ringer podcast network as some free advertising for them. Um, and the press box is uh, two guys who, you know, went the, uh, you know, have been friends for a really long time. I think they were high school buddies. Uh, certainly some parallels. 
and they they talk about media coverage of things uh whether it be in sports uh politics news uh kind of the story behind the story or how a story comes together uh and really it's just a, a podcast with two smart guys uh you know discussing current events of the day but kind of on the uh, you know the next level below you know what most people are talking about as far as how a story comes together and whatnot um really just you know the chemistry between the co-hosts is great um and, you know it's something where you can you know it's pretty you know down the middle you know they're not straying too far into politics that's much more focused on just the news and the stories that spring up from the news um you know reaction to to the news so definitely worth a listen again you know you kind of just there's a topic that you think is interesting you jump in for it they have some uh pretty funny bits uh the overworked uh twitter joke of the week where you know if you see that 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 pun that somebody thinks is clever but then you see it all over the place popping up on your feed uh you know that's a that's a joke and then uh they'll they'll do the strain pun headline of the week where you kind of try and guess the newspaper uh title of the story uh you know based on a bad pun about facts about the story so uh it's a fun podcast to listen to it's kind of a uh not a very stressful way to listen to what's going on in the world so i would definitely recommend press box it's number three on my list also sounds like a good one Definitely some parallels between this show and that, though you said it was a couple of smart guys talking. <laughs> it's definitely not the same show, but... True, true. Very nice. Uh, number... number two on my list is Serial. Um, that's probably the most mainstream podcast I have on this list. That, that was one of the most popular, so come circling back to true crime, I guess. You know, their first season was was a big true crime one, but season three for me is the one that... So, so they'll do seasons, obviously. Um Season three, they went into a courthouse in Cleveland and just stayed for a year and kind of followed some of the stories. And it was really just about what a joke our legal system is. And if we ever want to get in the weeds on that, I mean, I have enormous problems with the legal system in this country. It is a complete joke, but man, they give you just a front row seat to what a joke the court the court system and the legal system in Cleveland is. So, I, I mean, the first two seasons of the show were, were great but season three is really just i think something that after i listen to it i see the world a little bit differently okay so i'm gonna spring i'm gonna spring my question on you now uh though i think it might have been more relevant for the the first true crime podcast that you listed um how do you deal with the fact that there i mean there's some truly you know can be horrible stuff that's in these true crime podcasts, you know, especially like there, there's a, there's a girl at my work who she likes to listen to them too. I can hear them coming through my wall in my office. And that's like, you know, again, as you referenced, like, you know, then a third body was discovered. How do you keep the awfulness that's true? I mean, it's, this is not fiction that goes on in the world to not let it like affect your, your day-to-day mood and your perspective on the world. Uh. I think that's that's a pretty loaded question there. I, I think part of it is, I mean, it probably does affect <laughs> your view on the world. Um, but I don't know if the true crime that I listen to affects my world any more than the stuff I do on a day-to-day basis and, in, in in a, I mean, my career. I, I, I've seen a lot of awful stuff kind of firsthand. It comes with the territory of working that the social work field, so... 
I don't know that true crime is any more pessimistic than than true life. That's fair. And I mean, again, I think like that especially, might be the, 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 so especially with, you know, you know, what you're saying is if it's going to focus on the legal system, I mean, you know, when I think of true crime, I think of, you know, the Zodiac killer and like going through all of, you know, the, the crimes and, and, and whatnot and trying to piece it together. But I guess it's, it's not all like that. It's just, I guess I have curated, uh, I would say an enjoyable, but one could maybe, say empty calorie type diet of podcasts where you know yeah i got news and and you know real world events and politics and like that but it's a lot of just entertainment and i guess you know you also have podcasts as a medium where you can just learn a lot of things and maybe they will be not the happiest topics in the world but still important and informational nonetheless well and i i think there's definitely in a sick way i do think the true crime is entertaining as well and I think that we could we could definitely have a longer conversation about that. But as awful it is as it is, it can also be entertaining. Like it's 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 not just to learn things. I mean, there is yeah definitely some sick entertainment value in there. Yeah, I guess that's just something that I have not. I mean, granted, I haven't really exposed myself to very much, but I I don't think I would have an appetite for that. So, man, if you want a list, I can I can give you a long list. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So. I'm going to also reach for some Titans in the top two of my list. Number two on my list, Pod Save America, uh, politics show, uh, the four main hosts all worked in the Obama White House, two as speechwriters. You had a press secretary type person uh, for the defense team, a political strategist. Really, you know, this is news of the day from a democrat perspective from a progressive pr- perspective you know it definitely has a, a strong activism bent, uh bent so it's not just you know what's going on in the world it's what can you personally do to make a difference you know they hosted uh vote save america where you can figure out uh, easily how to vote uh you know you can donate uh and it would split it amongst either biden or all these different competitive senate races uh, so there's a strong activism uh, content to it. Uh, th- these guys started out um, at the ringer and then split off and, you know, have made oodles of money. That's, you know, it was something that is very much in demand uh, in the podcasting network. Um, so this is where I get a lot of my news of the week. There's two episodes usually on uh, Mondays and Thursdays. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, you could say these guys are Obama bros and all the stereotypical ways. Um, but I do appreciate their perspective. Um, and certainly, you know, again, because of them, I donated to, uh, you know, political campaigns for the first time in my, in my life. I, you know, talked to, talked to some volunteers and got a sign and, and talked to some of my relatives about voting and the importance of it, uh, and in part inspired by this. So if you, again, this is not for everybody. There's a very, uh, particular perspective that the show comes from, uh, but, for sure, it's where I get my politics from, um, along with the New York Times, Washington Post, um, and whatnot. But definitely an important uh, component of my political diet. Sounds like a lot of fake news to me. <laughs> fake news, baby. All no, right. that sounds that sounds cool. I got to check that one out. Drumroll, Andy. Number one on your list. Number one on my list is a canadian podcast it's called someone knows something of course it's canadian right um 
So it is also in the true crime area. Um, but it, it, this one isn't so much the stories, it's the host. So it's hosted by this guy named David Ridgen. I think he just has a phenomenal voice. The way he describes when he pulls up, so so he, you know, he'll talk to family members, he'll talk to kind of the, the people that are still there, and, and he tries to focus his stories a lot on, I think, who the people, who the victims were, and, you know, who the families become after the story. And it's, it's just incredibly respectful. And I think just the that is just anybody that, that ever gets into a true crime show, I listen to him and, and just his respect and, and his approach. But the stuff is incredible i just i want to have him just follow me around for like five minutes and perfect you you, you get the image you know she, she's wearing just this light blue it's just the way he does it you know a light blue shirt with casual blue pants that sway in the breeze it's just like holy shit dude like you just create this beautiful picture and i i sometimes i get dressed in the morning i wonder how would david describe what i'm wearing <laughs> today um i mean th- th- this guy is great cbc puts out just i think they put out pound for pound the best podcast and, and I think this is just the, the top of their list. So every time I see it, I think he's done six separate stories now. And, and some of them, he even comes to the United States. He's done a couple. I mean, he did, it spans everywhere from like a, a civil rights era, Ku Klux Klan murder to, you know, con- contemporary stories that are that are still ongoing and in litigation in Canada, in the United States. So it, it's really broad. It's really well done. And I think he is absolutely my favorite podcast so someone knows something number one on my list of course it's canadian of course someone knows something interesting well if i ever get into the true crime genre i will be sure to start there then that sounds uh particularly interesting um that's that's a great starting spot okay andy number one on my list this show is a genuine work of scholarship that i love uh, and I'm going with Binge Mode, uh, which is another Ringer podcast show. Uh, Jason Concepcion, Mallory Rubin, uh, two uh, Ringer employees uh, are huge nerds and they bond over their favorite nerdy things. So uh, Binge Mode started out with Game of Thrones and they went through, they did an episode on every single Game of Thrones episode, breaking it down, uh, in- incorporating what uh, is going on in the books for as long as we had book material. Uh, and really just going into the nitty gritty of, you know, every single, you know, piece of symbolism, you know, what, how it connects to the book, uh, all the, you know, the minutia that actually, you know, there's Easter eggs here and what they mean. Uh, so they did uh, Game of Thrones. They did Harry Potter. Uh, they've done Star Wars. They just started the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I will not rest until they do. Uh, a works of Tolkien, you know, Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, and whatnot. I know they're saving that for uh, Amazon is going to have a Lord of the Rings uh, style show at some point once uh, the pandemic is over. Uh, so I'm sure they're waiting until that uh, launches. But uh, really, just it's two people who love nerdy things as much as I do and really um, can eloquently put in the words. Uh, what those stories mean to them you know it's a show ultimately about stories and the power of story Uh, at some point i'm sure we'll have a a top five list that has to do with our favorite uh written works uh and again there's just so many science fiction fantasy uh you know something that i bonded with with my dad uh, from a very early age and 
just it means a lot to me. So to see this overwhelmingly popular podcast dive into those issues, you know, we've gone from, you know, being a nerd and having those type of interests as being something, you know, kind of in the closet to something that's much more mainstream. Uh, I love the show and uh, it's number one on my list, hands down. That sounds like something that would definitely be right up your alley. What was the name of that show again? Binge mode and then binge mode, uh, Game of Thrones, binge mode, Harry Potter. They have it all split out. Um, and we're currently working our way through the MCU right now. Very nice. Uh, probably not one that I'm going to check out because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you just described a bunch of things that I do not watch, but I, I can definitely see the appeal of the show from the way you described it, especially to people that are fans of things that almost everybody are fans of. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking somewhere down the line andy we're gonna do a movie swap episode and or a book swap episode where i'm going to take something near and dear to my heart that i know you have not seen and you will do vice versa um and we'll watch them and we'll and we'll chat about them but uh i don't know i don't exactly have what i what i would give you yet but know that i'm thinking about it i can't wait to give you some homework in that regard well, that would be fun to decide if the right way to approach that is to do something that genuinely, you know, we really enjoy and would just want the other person to have the experience, or do we just go torture mode and just come up with something that we love that we know each other would absolutely hate and then just force each other to do something off. Yeah. I don't know. We did, Maybe we'll have to have some negotiations on that. Um, I got a whole honking bookshelf uh sitting right behind me right now i got plenty of options for you so uh, but we'll we'll finish that conversation up in another episode uh thank you everybody for listening uh this has been another episode of buckeye dads discuss and we'll talk to you later stay safe ohio and wear your masks wear them wear them now all right goodbye buckeye dads discuss is a podcast hosted by andy and josh it's edited by april you can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter, and you can email the show at Buckeye Dads Discuss at gmail.com.